Church, keep your Bibles open there, if you will, to the book of James chapter 1, and we'll meet there in just a few moments. Uh, again, as is already mentioned, is our Senior Sunday, and we congratulate uh, all of these seniors and their families, and we thank you uh, for being here, especially if you're visiting with us. We, did, uh, we do want to bring you up to date on a couple of announcements. Uh, we found out this morning that Bruce Connor uh, is now at home, so he's no longer in Nashville at the, uh, at the hospital there. He is recovering from pneumonia, uh, but the word that I received this morning is that after he recovers from that, he likely will be having to have open-heart surgery, so... So we want to remember uh, Bruce uh, and his family as he recovers and also as he faces this possible uh, surgery. We also want to rejoice with Trey Talley. Uh, Trey was baptized into Christ uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, surrounded by several family and friends. And so we rejoice with Trey and want to encourage you to, uh, to encourage Trey and, and let him know how thankful we are of his decision. Also, we want to thank those um, as... Eddie had mentioned we've had several funerals this week and several of those families left flowers for us to enjoy. The flowers behind me are left from the Margaret Vickery family and then there's flowers out in the foyer uh, left from the Coleman family. And so we appreciate those families uh, sharing that with us. Graduation is an exciting time, isn't it? But many times for parents it's bittersweet. I mean, this is what we raised our children for, right? This moment. Yet, oh, it's arrived so fast, hasn't it? It can be a roller coaster of emotions for both the graduate and their families. It's a time of celebration and a time of achievement. There is reflection on past trials and past successes, as well as hope for the future. I want you to notice on the screen several quotes about graduation. One quote goes like this, Graduation is a time of completion, of finishing, of an ending. <clears throat> However, it is also a time of celebration of achievement and a beginning for the new graduate. Someone else said, You have learned a lot, but there is still lots of learning for you as you journey through life. Never stop learning. Another uh, comes from Les Brown. Uh, kind of a challenge, kind of a, uh, some challenging words for us to take and apply to our life. He says, you can complain about the direction of your life all you want, but until you sit in the driver's seat and begin to drive yourself, you aren't going to get where you want to go. A couple others, uh, one says, graduation is not the end, it is the beginning. Someone else says, to accomplish great things, we must not only act, but also dream, not only plan, but also believe. And these things kind of go along with what we want to talk about today from the book of James chapter 1. And to our graduates, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. To your parents and to those significant others that have played significant roles in your life, I want to challenge you and encourage you to say thank you. I want to challenge and encourage you to put that thank you down in words. Put it in a note. Put it in a letter. They will treasure it forever. And today, while we're thinking about our graduates and the lesson primarily will be directed toward our graduates, James gives us some principles for everyday living that I think that all of us need to learn and apply to our lives. You see, there are two prominent themes in all of Scripture. In the 66 books of the Bible, 
There's the way to God. That's directed to the loss. It points the way to Jesus. And then there's the walk with God. It directs, it's directed toward those who are children of God. It reminds us and tells us how to walk in the light as He is in the light. There are many places we can go to in God's Word that will help us in our walk with God. But one of the main places, I believe, in all of Scripture is found in the book of James, especially James chapter 1. Well, this is one of the earliest New Testament books written. It was written by the earthly brother of our Lord Jesus. Though it, that's not how James addresses himself. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 1 and notice what James says about himself. This is James, the brother of our Lord Jesus. And he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a lesson for us to learn and to practice. And what's that lesson? The lesson of humility. I mean, James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, he could have bragged and talked about, hey, that's my brother. Jesus is my brother, but that's not what James did, did he? What did James say? James called himself a bondservant. Why did he do that? Because he was humble and he practiced humility. In fact, the early church, it is said, they called James old camel knees because he had calluses on his knees because he had spent much time humbly in prayer. James, in a practical way, he writes giving us principles on how to live on a daily basis. How to put our faith into action. James Rice encouraging us how to demonstrate we are a child of God to an unbelieving world. If James were here today, James might say something like this. Don't just say you believe. you got to act like it. And with this in mind, let us look at the first chapter of the book of James. And we'll notice just a few Scriptures uh, from this passage. And we won't read all of them, but we'll notice a few of them. And kind of get a gist of this theme. And notice about six principles, quickly, that we can learn and we can apply to our life every day. We're all aware that we live in a day and time that people sometimes by the droves, are leaving church and organized religion because they are turned off by it. And James is going to address that at the end of the chapter. But I want you to notice in verses 1-4, through four, the first principle that we can learn in that for our everyday living and living for Christ. James says, "...a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings." My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James says, listen, you need to be aware that trials are going to come. It's inevitable. Trials are going to come. Someone has once said, a person is either entering a tri- trial, going through a trial, or coming out of a trial. Our trials will be various. Our trials will be different. No matter where we go in life, trials will come. There there might be emotional trials. There might be physical trials. There might be social trials and there might be spiritual trials. But trials will come. And one of the things that James reminds us of is do not have a victim's mentality. 
Don't have a victim's mentality. Don't throw away your faith and your confidence in God like so many have done. You see, the people that James is writing to, they are dealing with persecution from the emperor Claudius. Their businesses were being boycotted all because they were Christians. Their children were being mistreated all because they were Christians. And you and I know if we have children, we know how hard it is to deal with when people mistreat our children. But James is telling his readers, do not have a victim's mentality. He said, in other words, count it all joy when you go through these various trials. Really? You see, that word count is an accounting term. And it means to take stock. Take stock in what's going on behind the scenes. And when we go through trials, what is it that's going on behind the scenes? It's that our faith is being tested. So that we might be complete. Our character is being refined. You see, the goal for God that God has for us is spiritual maturity and wholeness. I'm reminded of a fellow preacher, brother in Christ, by the name of Bob Sperlin, who preached for many, many years in North Alabama until he fell ill with multiple sclerosis and was confined to a wheelchair. But even then, he would preach sitting in his wheelchair until the day came that he was confined to bed. But even then, Brother Bob would, uh, he would write books and he would preach over the phone to various congregations. And one of the books that Brother Bob wrote was entitled, Never Give Up. And how fitting for a man who no doubt struggled, but he never gave up. No matter how bad things get, never give up. James would say, do not have a victim's mentality. Do not give up. Just keep going because God can handle it. Don't let your trials rock your world so that you lose your faith. Let your trials lead you to Jesus, who, by the way, can understand your trials. James says trials will come. Look in the next place in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and notice what James says. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. James would say, seek wisdom from God. To our graduates over the next few years, likely you're going to hear more information than you will the rest of your life. But the point is, don't just get understanding and don't just get information to pass a test. The goal is wisdom. And what is wisdom? I like the way someone put it. It is a clear understanding of God's will for my life as I live out the principles found in His Word. It is where knowledge, education, skill, and common sense are coupled with prayer. And they meet to help us make choices that honor God. James would say, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Ask God. You see, the reality is our lifeline is found in prayer. Prayer is so important to the, in the life of the child of God. If you struggle with prayer, let me encourage you to do something. 
Let me encourage you to go through God's Word. Look up every Scripture that you can about prayer. Look at every context that you find those Scriptures in and find out what is going on and what is trying to be taught and learned by those people about prayer. And also, find those others who are faithful Christians who have learned to do it well. You see, the reality is it will sustain us in all points in our life. But there may even be times when you, like many others, and like King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, that you may feel and want to say, Lord, we do not know what to do. But our eyes are fixed on You. The third thing that James tells us, the third principle is found in verses 9-15. through He says temptations will come. James tells us that the one who endures uh, temptation and under trials will be blessed. But then he says temptations are going to come. As recorded in Matthew chapter 4, you remember Satan, he came to Jesus and he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He tempted Jesus at maybe... His weakest moment as a human. And He tried to lure him away from walking with God. And He will do the same for you and I. But James says, don't blame God. You see, back in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they began this blame game when they sinned. And God came to them in the garden. You see, what did they do? Well, it was her, it was him, it was them, it was always someone else. And James says, don't blame God. Adam and Eve wanted to blame someone else because of their sin. And James says, listen, don't blame God because of your temptations. Don't blame God when you give in to those temptations and you fall into sin. Many in our world today may say, I couldn't help myself. That's just who I am. I mean, God created me to be quick-tempered or whatever. And James simply says, stop blaming God. Because, verse 14, notice what he says. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. James says, temptation is going to come, but don't blame God. Don't blame God. Another point that James makes here in this passage of Scripture is that in the kingdom of God, up is down and down is up. In the kingdom of God, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. In the kingdom of God, the greatest in the kingdom are those who serve. And while most people are trying to make all the money they can, James is telling his readers that money will not solve all of your problems and wealth will not protect you from death. You see, the reality is, He reminds them that it's important to deal with their sin problem and their death problem now. And it's also important for us. Today, if you're here and you've not given your life to Jesus, you've not dealt with your sin problem and your death problem, we want you to know, we want you to come to Jesus 
Because James would say later in chapter 4, he says, our life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment and then gone away. It vanishes. It's gone. No one knows what the future holds. No one knows how much time we have left on this earth before we meet our appointment with death. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 are before Jesus will come back to take us home. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The challenge also is what Amos in Amos chapter 4, what he pleaded with his people, prepare to meet your God. You see, that's the most important thing that we could talk about on graduation Sunday or any other day is to prepare to meet our God. Do you realize this past week, Either a member of this congregation or someone connected to this congregation, we have had five funerals. Do you realize just last week, three young people, 16, 16, and 17, lost their life in Florence, Alabama? And two others, both 16, are clinging on for life. James says, your life is but a vapor. And the most important thing that you can do is to prepare to meet God. And you see, for the child of God, that's the great day that is coming. Whatever you do in your life, whatever it is that you might need to deal with today, the challenge is to do it today. The fourth principle that James would give us, he says in verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James would say every good gift is from above. Don't ever forget how blessed we are. And don't ever forget to say thanks. Graduates, don't forget to say thanks. To your parents, to your grandparents, and those significant others in your life who've played a major role in your life. And church, let's never forget to thank those who have helped us also to get where we are. You remember it was Jesus who healed ten lepers? You remember what the Bible says? Only one to returned to say thanks. Let us give thanks to God for all the blessings and all the good gifts that He has given in our lives. A fifth principle that James would share with us comes from verses 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of God does not produce the righteousness of God. James would say, be slow to speak and slow to anger. I've heard it recently, and we know it all too well. That's saying that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Amen? You see, He wants us to listen. He wants us to listen and not be quick to speak. He wants us to learn how to control our tongue and listen to God and listen to others. God wants us to develop a calm spirit. Why? Because when we are angry, our life is filled with turmoil. 
And we're closed. And we struggle to listen to what others say. Others who want to help us, by the way. You see, we can't listen to God and we can't listen to good rational advice when we're too busy speaking. And when we, because of our anger, have turmoil full of our li- in our life. And James would tell us, human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. The righteousness that God wants in His people. Whatever we do, James would say, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And finally, in verses 26 and 27, James would challenge us and encourage us to practice pure religion. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You see, one of the keys, someone has said, in reaching people especially those who have left the church and left organized religion, is for God's people, young and old, to practice pure religion. You see, James says, when we claim to be religious, verse 26, and we do not bridle our tongue, we deceive our own selves, and our religion is useless. And someone asked the question, I wonder how many of us or how many have done that, not bridled their tongue in their home, around their friends, in church groups, and around non-believers, much less in front of teenagers and children. You see, James says, if we do not bridle our tongue and we say we're religious, he says our religion is in vain. And that's not practicing pure religion. James says pure and undefiled religion, verse 27, is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted or unpolluted from the world. You see, we need to be a people who look after and who have compassion toward the fatherless, the widows, the poor, the homeless, and the unborn. But sadly, in some churches, people in the name of truth and religion have been unkind, unloving, sharp and critical and gossiping. And no wonder, as a result, people have thrown up their hands and walked out of the church and organized religion. I like the way Martin Thielen put it. He said, the solution to bad religion is not no religion. The solution to bad religion is pure religion. The solution to bad religion for there to be a church, for there to be a group who get it. Who walk out of this building and they practice pure religion in the name of Jesus and are striving to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and are striving to be Jesus to a people who need Jesus. You see, it's not an either or. It is caring for the most vulnerable. And it is purity. It is keeping ourselves from being polluted by the world. Someone has said, it's not to go ditch the church and go for social justice and helping people. And what I do in my private life is my private life and nobody's business. You see, that's not what James is saying. James is saying it is both. 
It is personal purity. It is sexual purity. It is financial purity. It is purity of attitude. Coupled with deeds of compassion for the poor, for the homeless, for the helpless, for the lonely, and for the lost. James reminds us, if you want to live godly, here are some practical solutions. Here are some practical principles to practice, to learn and practice every day. Trials are going to come our way. We need to be ready. We need to seek wisdom from God. Pray about it. Ask God for it. Temptations are going to come. We need to be prepared. They came to Jesus. And we need to be prepared. And don't blame God. And every good gift is from above. Thank God for that. And thank God for the good people in our lives that help us. And James would say, be slow to speak and slow to anger. Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And then he says, practice pure religion. You see, our decisions in life are very, very important. They will, our decisions, make all the difference. Former President Ronald Reagan once had an aunt who took him to a cobbler for a pair of new shoes. The cobbler asked young Reagan, do you want square toes or round toes? Unable to decide, Reagan didn't answer, so the cobbler gave him a few days. And later he saw him in town, and the cobbler asked Reagan again, what kind of shoes that he wanted? Reagan still couldn't decide, so the shoemaker replied, well, come by in a couple of days and your shoes will be ready. When the future president did so, he found one square-toed and one round-toed. This will teach you to never let people make decisions for you, the cobbler said with indecis- to his indecisive co- customer. Reagan said, I learned right then and there, if you don't make your own decisions, someone else will. James says, here are some practical principles for everyday life. You've got to make decisions. And the reality is we need to make right decisions. Trials are coming our way. How will you handle those trials? Do not let it rock your world. Let it turn you to Jesus. Seek wisdom from God. Temptations are going to come. Turn to God in those times. Every good gift is from above. Be slow to speak and slow to anger and practice wherever you go pure and undefiled religion. People are watching. What decision will you make? Today, are you a child of God? Have you made the most important decision in all your life? To give your life to Jesus so you, like the unit, can go on your way rejoicing. Why? Being glad that now your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Being glad that there's a great day coming and you're ready for it. You're prepared. The decision that trials are going to come and now you are prepared because you walk with the Savior. Being prepared now because as you begin your walk with the Lord, Satan's going to be right there knocking on the door, bringing temptations before you. And where will you turn? Now you can turn to Jesus because He's been there. And you can thank God for that good gift of salvation. And you can continue to rejoice because now you have the opportunity to seek, to learn, to try, to practice pure religion. Maybe you are here today 
And for whatever reason, Satan's brought some heavy, heavy trials in your life. Take a look around this room and you'll see people that if you come down this aisle and you sit on this front row, you'll see people who will walk up to you and they'll put your arm around you and they'll say, I love you and I'm here for you and I'm here to help you. You'll have a group of people that will approach the throne of God on your behalf today and they will be here to walk with you and help you. Maybe it is that Satan has lured you away and you're here today and you want to rededicate your life and your relationship to Almighty God. What better time than the present? Graduation is not the end, but the beginning. And you can be a part of a new beginning today as together we stand and sing.